Hi, and welcome back to the uh, Young Two Young Farmers podcast. Uh, I got Jake and Ryan here. Um, so what did we uh, get into today, Ryan? Let's talk about that. Well, we had a fun little drive out to Fort Wayne. Luckily, the K30 got us out there and back. I think we got some things figured out, low transmission fluid, uh, causing some issues early on, but uh, made it there. Brought home a pretty nice uh, New Holland 7450, 13-foot cut center pivot disc bind. I don't know the year on that, but my guess would be late 2000s to early 2010s. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty nice unit. So with that being said, we'll get into today's topic. We'll go into equipment. I think there's nothing more fitting than that. We both had some upgrades this fall, and I think young beginning farmer, you really never stop upgrading. You see the established guys, they might be running the same combine tractor or truck for 10, 20 years, and I don't have that much foresight for half of my equipment to be around much more than the next 5 to 10 years. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe the mower and round baler, now that I have nicer pieces of those. We've really been going on some trips recently. Uh, Three of the out of the last four weekends, we've yeah. uh, gone to buy something, whether it's goats, uh, you bought a grain truck, yep, now this mower. Yep, for a grain truck. Uh, we will go out to northeast Ohio t- next weekend to buy a... Uh, kick rack. I think that'd be a fun trip. Mm-hmm. Yep. I bet it'll trail 15 mile an hour the whole three hour <laughs> drive back, which will now be 10 hours. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Yeah. So yeah, uh, today's episode we'll get into kind of our equipment, where it got. Um, I know we briefly hit it in in our last two episodes, but we're gonna kind of talk about why we have the equipment we have. Um, and kind of the upgrades we've made and how we've acquired this equipment. Um, I think the big thing with... is the the why. I think that's yeah. I I think to emphasize that, so young guys getting started, it's not just a. I don't think anyone really thinks that, but you see what other folks are running, and you try to keep up with the neighbors or however that saying goes. Keeping uh, up with the Joneses. Yes, keeping yeah. up with the Joneses. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I would caution anybody who even attempts anything close to that for any facet of agriculture, whether you're established or not. But um, young people need to be really cognizant of where money's going and what type of return you're mm-hmm. going to see. The fact that you have a combine is only because of deals, not anything to do with your land base you're running on. Right. The, the size of it, yeah, is based on how I found it and the price tag it had on it and just kind of a convenience thing mm. um, established that growth. It wasn't because of a uh, operational size necessity. It was it was just a deal that I saw as an opportunity. So I mean, let's let's start by talking about our our first pieces of equipment. Mm. Like what was my first piece of equipment was a planter. I didn't have a tractor, um, and I didn't even use it the first year. Talk about what, I mean, without, I mean, we talked about it before, but for those who maybe forgot or haven't listened, what what type of planter are you running? I've got a John Deere 7000, six row, um, that's 30 inch rows in the front. Um, it's got a detachable seven row splitter in the back, um, so 15 inch rows to do beans, and as of this fall, I've planted wheat with that planter, so right now I'm planting every crop that I grow with that planter, at least I have the capability of doing such. You had a neighbor plant some, <clears throat> drill in some wheat for you. Yeah, I, I did uh, one of my fields of wheat with 
15 inch rows as a test trial this fall. Um, but I asked him to come down and drill the other field of wheat just as a, uh, I don't know, a consistent something to fall back on for that wheat crop. Because I don't want to, excuse me, dive in too hard to that 15 inch row wheat if it's not something that's promising. But I know it's possible. I just have to work out some kinks. I didn't want to do that on all my wheat acreage in one year. Without going in too much depth on what equipment we have, I think it's just important to um, talk about the equipment we don't have and why that's a choice. So why <laughs> why don't you have a grain drill? I mean, your father has a grain drill, but um, what's held you back from going that direction, no-till grain drill to keep with the no-till operation you currently operate on? Yeah, so probably just a financial return on investment. Um, and I really like the efficiency of a planner. A planter is um, less of a controlled spill. Hmm. I mean, that's really what a drill is. You can't tell me that a drill has made drastic leaps in technology since they were really first invented. I mean, besides getting into your air seeders and your planters, I mean, those are different. There's a lot of new technology there, but your John Deere 750 drill is not really too far off from the Van Brunt John Deere made in Moline, I mean... The new ones have a dolly on them. They made a huge... Oh, yeah. And then marker arms. You're forgetting these huge technological Uh, advances that we've had. The true system of the drill has not really changed, but with a planter, I mean, I can get some seed singulation and some accuracy and some... um, You're putting up picket fences in the cornfields this (laughs) next year, right? Uh, Doing, doing, uh, what do you call it? Cultivating... uh, in both directions. There we go. People used to do that. They would, uh, they had planters with little, they would run a line all the way across the field and it would tick and that's when they would drop and it would be a grid pattern across the whole field. Come a long way. One of those. But yeah, the planter, I mean, I had originally purchased that and it to me was a good enough deal. Um, looking back, I still am proud of what I paid for that. Um, how far away was that? That was, that was in Bowling Green. So like, a that'd be 45, 45 minutes. minutes, um, by truck, but then pulling it home, it of course wasn't going highway speed. So 47 minutes, an hour. <laughs> over an hour on that. Maybe not quite two, but you come back on state highway six then. Uh, I don't really remember. I brought a disbine back from my first disbine I got in Bowling Green and brought that on Route six at forty five mile an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean that. I mean it's a disbine. It tows really nice. Yeah. Um, and you have really wide shoulders. Honestly, I'd say the the state highways for. I've hauled a lot of equipment on state highways just mm-hmm. because the it's wide all, shoulders. I I believe that it's safer than taking the back roads because you mm-hmm. have that width. People can pass you. You don't have blind hills, blind corners mm-hmm. as often. Um, you just have do it on a Sunday when there's not as many state troopers out. Right. <laughs> right. But like that planter is, it's working with is 16.25 feet wide. I mean that's a wide yeah, unit to help it over that. Less mailboxes to worry about. They, I think, I don't know all the legalities, but right. you can't drive down the state highway and not notice that mailboxes are set off the road quite a bit more mm-hmm. substantially different than what we're working with on our back roads, where a mailbox is going <laughs> to screw you if you got an oncoming mm-hmm. traffic, and that's what sucks. Whether you're picking up a new piece of equipment or just going to the field and anybody who's run farm equipment understands that yeah so yeah i mean that's really why i have that planner it was it was a 
a good deal at the time. It was something I could do, and it would be one piece of equipment that was going to do everything I did. Because at that point, I was only really playing on corn and beans to get started until eventually I got a drill, or eventually I made the planter capable of um, planting wheat, and then that's where I've gone. Gone, And I think a really big upgrade to that planters that I've made is brush meters to help with the singulation of seed when planting and a monitor, which has already, I know, saved me a bunch of hassle. What kind of monitor is that? Is that a digital readout? Just a Yeah, it's a uh, Dickie John monitor. It'll read every all 13 row units. It'll give me a population, seeds per foot. I mean, you put in your hmm. working width, and it's just got a laser eye in each seed tube and it I think there's a lot of variance in how cheap you want to get with monitors. I think there's some that just scream at you and you have to start yeah. figuring out what the hell's wrong. This is, and this some is one that I kind of went a little more than I probably had to um, because I could have just got like a flashing light mm -hmm. system. Um, but I mean, this will tell me population. This will tell me specifically per row population and average population. Mm -hmm. It'll tell me single row failure, not just that something's wrong. It'll tell me mm -hmm. which row is wrong. Which row is high, low, um, and I don't think drills would do that for you. Yeah, you can, but that's a lot more. That's a lot of units, uh, a lot sensors, of units, yeah. a lot of tubes. I know a few guys that do have it on a like a fifteen foot drill, but that's that's a lot of sensors, a lot of wiring, but it's possible. But they have the acres to justify that right. investment, whereas you probably wouldn't. Only using it on a single crop. Mm-hmm. Which I guess most of them are probably only running wheat too, but occasionally maybe they're putting in cover crops or Beans. some custom work. <coughs> yeah, um, yeah. I feel like a lot of guys still drill beans around this area, but I mean, there's a lot that plant hmm. plant their beans, but um, hmm. or just tape up every other hole. I no, that's not too uncommon. That's, yeah, we've so you're still getting your 15 that. inch row, mm -hmm. but a controlled spill within that 15 inch row. Yeah. Yep, up up the rate. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've been happy with that planter ever since. But it's it's been it's been crucial to my operation and growing it. Um, I guess you want to hear about the rest of my equipment, or you want to talk about your first piece of equipment here or well, I got two kind of first cause they're both independently, but you know, mm -hmm. um, I suppose the first piece of farm equipment we got, I got primarily just to plow snow in the winter time. We have a large driveway. You need a way to plow snow. We had just moved into our first house, um, current house here. And we got an Oliver 1750 diesel with a loader on it with a bucket. And then four, three, um, half inch bolts come out. And that bucket has um, manure forks, mm -hmm. which can double as a bale spear. So I've used used it as a bale spear too, but at that time I hadn't had any intention of going to round baling. I had no hay acres, no intention of making hay or anything. But I'm like, just on the chance we get a chance to do some type of farming, mm -hmm. I have a tractor. Otherwise, I would have gotten like a skid steer or something. Um, my wife sold seed for a local seed company, or was just getting started in that. So we also kind of needed a way to move pallets. And I convinced her, which was a poor decision at the time because it was awful doing it, but to use the loader tractor rather than buying her a forklift because she wanted a forklift because she had, she was comfortable on a forklift, not a loader tractor. And uh, so against my better judgment, we bought a loader tractor anyways, 
because I mean, I saw all these different things. I mean, I knew I needed to plow snow. I knew we could possibly use it to move seed and, um, you know, potential farm work down the road. And this probably was back in 2019. So probably two, three years before we even had the opportunity to make hay. Um, but sure enough, you know, we plowed snow. It was all fine. We had seed come in. That, not so much fine. I got clamp on pallet fork because, you know, it's the old style bucket. You can't, it's not quick attached. So we're clamping pallet forks onto the bucket. And, well, wouldn't you know, when you push the weight out another three feet forward, well, the loader's weight, your carrying mm -hmm. capacity is no longer the same. I mean, it's got wheel weights and um, fluid-filled tires. No issues there, but the hydraulics physically couldn't lift the bucket mm -hmm. with a full pallet of seed. And, of course, this is while I'm at work when the seed's coming in. So she and the truck driver are unstacking pallets so that they can unload them. Yeah. And you can't see the forks because the bucket blocks your view. It was a lot of fun. Not we end up, ideal. Yeah, we have a forklift now. Um, we got a good deal on one. Either way, so that was the first piece was the Oliver Loader Tractor we bought um, from a town up in Wauseon. I, I don't know what that's probably a half-hour drive from here or so. And he delivered it or hauled it here for me. I forget what we paid for that, maybe $8,500. And I'll tell you, if anyone out there is looking to buy equipment, doesn't matter how good a deal you find, within two to three weeks after you buy it or a year later, you're mm -hmm. going to see at least one or two identical pieces of equipment go for about two to three grand less than what you paid. Yep. Always. But whenever you buy something, it's always the cheapest one you can find, even if you've been looking for a while. But you always find something cheaper in a few weeks or a month. It just mm -hmm. It's always how it goes. So I see some 1750s go cheaper than I paid, and I kick myself because I put a lot of money into this tractor, um, different, different issues we've had. So that's the first piece of um, farm equipment, but it was more multi-purpose, kind of homesteady, farm, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, general utility type piece of equipment, even though it is a full-sized 80, horse 80 horsepower tractor. The first piece I got <coughs> was an Oliver 62T square baler, and um, somebody down the road had said he knew someone who had this baler sitting out back and had offered it to him, but he wasn't interested in it. And, um, so I got the contact lead and, um, got a hold of him. He just wanted it gone. He said, if you don't take it, it's going to the scrapyard. He didn't want nothing for it. He just wanted it off his property. There was grass growing up about five feet tall around it. I think there's a wasp nest in the uh, twine box mm -hmm. and the rims were sitting on the ground. Tires rotted out. And I looked at that. Just perfect. I love it. It's, this, I need is, it. this is the thing You're coming home with me. Yeah. So, of course, at that time, well, I'm not going to go buy tires to get the thing home. So I take my loader tractor, I um, and the loader isn't one that actually can lift anything, or like the tractor weight, like a skid steer, you can push the bucket down and lift your front end up off the ground. Well, that's mm. not this. So we're getting bottle jacks it's out. It's one way. It's just, yeah, it doesn't have enough down pressure to, mm. I mean, you can dig into some stuff, but you're not going to be able to lift that front end of the tractor up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're getting bottle jacks up and then putting boards under the front axle of the tractor, taking the tires off because it's the same bolt-on pattern. So now my loader tractor's up on jacks, and uh, we throw the tires on the square baler and haul it like six miles home. And uh, I, had, I got that home and worked on it, wrenched on it all winter. The plunger was seized up and wouldn't move. So this is an older Oliver baler, no rollers on the plunger. It's the plunger and then square metal sides like there's mm -hmm. nothing other than metal on metal wearing and this is what it has no lubrication nothing it's just solid metal 
grinding on metal with every stroke of the plunger. The newer New Hollands and um, I think the later series Olivers, they had rollers on the plunger, which, by God, I don't know how they released. Before that. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if Oliver was unique in that fashion. They didn't do it, but this one didn't have it. So, of course, when you have metal sitting on metal and it's sitting outside for however many years, stuff gets seized and it's, it's, it doesn't move. Um, the nodders weren't working. I don't remember if there was any trash in the chamber. I think it was for open. If it wasn't, I cleared it out and just soaked stuff with used oil and PB blaster. And then you work the plunger maybe an inch one way, an inch the back, and just keep doing that. And you just do it every night for a week. And then maybe you're up to two to three inches. And the whole time you're readjusting the slip clutch because it's not meant for that much torque to be applied to it because you're putting a bar on the PTO mm-hmm. and just giving her hell. And after a couple of weeks, we got the plunger freed up. And mind you, I got the tires pulled off the baler, and the baler's now sitting on blocks in, the, in my uncle's barn that's in my property here. And it sat on blocks the entire winter because I was too cheap to put tires on something that didn't work. Um, so the baler's sitting up on wooden blocks while we're doing all this. And we had a bunch of loose straw because my uncle's bailed the straw off their wheat fields. So there was all this loose straw left over from when they cleaned the mouths out. So we're just hand feeding straw into the baler and moving the um, flywheel over by hand with you know a bar because there's no it's not near freed up enough to do it mm-hmm. by hand yet um i think that first winter we made like 10 bales with it after i got the knotters figured out and the plunger freed up and all that and um it sat for an entire year before i even used it because i had no hay ground to run until so it sat for a whole winter went through a second winter on the property and then i think that next year i think we found some ground to run and that's what we end up um, running and on, and within the first 300 acres, we threw a timing chain off. Mm-hmm. Uh, or 300 acres, sorry, three <laughs> acres, but the 300 bales, bales in the first cut. Yeah, we threw a timing chain off, and um, the plunger slammed into the feeding forks. Nothing bent. I just had to retime it. We went out and bailed the last 20 bales of that field, and we were good to go. All the money I had into that baler in the first season of running it was, I think, $60 in tires. I put used car tires on it, if I remember correctly. Or my tire guy had used car tires, threw some tubes in them, and it was like 60 bucks, Which they ended up blowing, I think, at the tail end of that season. I replaced them with nice implement tires, but it got mm-hmm. me through for 60 bucks. Yeah, to make sure the thing was even... Rough. And we ran 3,300 or 3,400 bales in the first season through that baler, and all I had into it was two tires. And it had been sitting in the weeds for five years? Give or take. I know he told me that one side knotter doesn't really work, and... Oh, it didn't work very well for me either. I mean, you might get 15 bales and then it's going to miss tie, and then maybe you get four bales and it miss ties, and you get done with a 15 acre field and you spend um, two hours just driving around rebaling broken bales. So that's fun. Yeah. And then when you get done rebaling a bale and it miss ties again, then you're rebaling it a third time. And about the fourth or fifth time of rebaling the same bale, you start getting pretty annoyed with the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, finally got it tuned in this season, right right around when we were baling straw. Just in time for the slip clutch to burn up. So mm-hmm. that was only a hundred bucks to replace that with used parts, granted, but still a hundred bucks. And then we were good to go after that. Ran a few more, a couple thousand more bales through it, and then retired it, at least semi-retirement, yeah. and replaced it with a kick baler. So that was probably my best. I wouldn't even call it a buy, as much as yeah. just a fine acquisition, acquisition <laughs> of equipment. Yeah, I. <laughs> I think you and I have very similarly acquired equipment. Like it's been 
it's been marketplace it's been craigslist it's been um like word of mouth word of mouth connections how did you get your last gravity wagon my word of mouth or uh that one was actually so a neighbor a separate guy from who i bought it from had stopped by said hey i got a new wagon um I'm done with beans. If you need some wagon space, mine are empty. You can come use them. And by the way, one of them's for sale. He shot me a price on it. I uh, went over and looked at the wagon. I pulled it around. Um, it was an, It's a nice wagon. Um, but he was asking a little more than I wanted for it. Um, and I had seen some other guys had wagons nicer than my current ones sitting out um, for sale by the road. Um, just down the road in Florida. Um, so I called a couple numbers, just some guys that had for sale signs on their wagons, and the, this guy answered. He shot me a price, and it was significantly less than what the first guy had wanted out of his wagon. Um, and I wasn't really looking for a gravity wagon, but I right I, deal, shot right him time. A, I shot him a counter price, and it was... Uh, Good enough deal for him. It was a good enough deal for me. He said, okay, bring a hitch pen. I said, all right, I'll see you in about 20 minutes. Yeah, there's, a, I think, a difference between how me and Jake acquire equipment. Right, wrong, or indifferent. I don't think there's anything wrong with either direction. He's more so sit and wait for the deals. Like he, mm. You don't necessarily yeah. upgrade because after you need my, to. After my initial... The planter is I probably yours. Once I got my planter... And my first year, I had somebody custom plant for me. So then I could spend that whole next crop year mm. looking for that big horsepower tractor that I needed. And I had no intention of buying a combine because I was just going to have my neighbor custom harvest that first year. And I was waiting for a deal on a combine, but I got one. So, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, I got my, like, basic three pieces of equipment, planter, combine, tractor. Um, you get, and from there, yeah, you've gotten some I've really good been, deals. I've just been kind of waiting out for a deal here, a deal there, and an upgrade. Um, not yeah. many through auction. You, I haven't bought any equipment in auction. You bought your first three or two boxes. Uh, gravity first wagons. three gravity wagons I bought at an auction. Uh, it was a retirement farm retirement auction. Um, online auction. It was online. You. I was. It was. I mean, it was local to where I'm from and where I farm now. But I was not local. You were <laughs> in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like we talked about in the episode where we talked about my farm, it was um, it was a Saturday morning, I think. And I called my dad and said, hey, what are you doing next weekend? Can you go pick these up? But, yeah, so I acquired those initially. And then I... Sight unseen, of course. And yep. The right deal, I mean, the right time. They're gravity wagons. How much, I mean... As long as the tires hold the tires air. Are and black and round, and yep. the box is made of metal. I think you should put holes. some white walls on a, one of your... <laughs> that would be slick. People would look when you drive through mm-hmm. town. But, I mean, got those wagons. Uh, what else did I get after that? I think the planter was probably your next step, and that was probably the only one you paid, what I'd say, a fair market value for. Yeah, that. I mean, that was... Not overpaid, but you weren't I getting a steal. That, was, that wasn't one of my my like best deals i've had some deals you've had a this com- i swear this guy he gets deals that the are outrageous bought, the, okay so the planner and the corn head 
I bought at a reasonable price. They were in good condition. Like I bought them in the mid range for what the current market for, situation yeah, current, is. Yeah. It wasn't a steal, but I've had some steals on some gravity wagons. I've had some steals on a combine, a bean head. Uh, what else do I have? I mean, some hay wagons. Oh yeah, I forgot about those <laughs> two hay racks you got for. Um, jeez. Yeah, I I paid less than five hundred bucks for two wagons. Basically, two nights at a Holiday Inn, and <laughs> you just got two wagons. You got man. Yeah. And they had some pretty nice lumber on them, and tires held yeah, air. I used the one. Um, actually, blew a tire on one of my grain wagons and yanked a tire off of one of those because it was the same running gear, mm-hmm. same bolt pattern. So the one the one rack I haven't used, um, yet. But because the deck could use a little work, but it already saved me a big hassle because it allowed me to have a spare tire for a full load of grain that blew a tire while my dad was pulling it. I don't, I go into the hay season, I got all my tools in the toolbox, my fuel tank, I carry extra bolts, nuts, mm-hmm. cotter pens, you name it, all my oils, and a five lug and a six lug tire. They <laughs> go with me to every field. I think my first hay season, I replaced all four tires on one wagon. Two rear tires on another wagon, a tire on the round baler, all four tires on my truck, all four tires on my wife's car. Mm-hmm. I, if I did the math right, and maybe the listeners will do it for me, I think I did like 13 tires in one year we mm-hmm. upgraded. And um, two of those were just cheap replacement, whatever, like used tires because they were for a wagon that didn't matter. Four of them were nice new implement tires for a wagon, a nice new like $200 implement tire mm-hmm. for the round baler. And then nice tires for uh, car and truck. Yeah. <coughs> I've, I've, uh, those gravity wagons that I got really cheap, I've, I guess I did put some into them. I, I, I did all new races and bearings and everything on all. More pro, all of proactive them. type maintenance. Yeah, preventative thing. maintenance. And I put brand new rubber on all of them. Mm. Um, well, two of the bigger ones. Next is to put lights on them. Yeah, maybe I, mean, I think it'd be worth it. Yeah, a thirty dollar light kit from TSC, and I mean, and you're a little safer. It, but yeah, I all this equipment, I think I got where I had my baseline necessity of size, and then from there I've kind of grown for the future, kind of set myself self up for like future expansion. Um. And I got my baseline of equipment needed for the acreage I had. And then from there, I just waited for deals. I mean, I wasn't going out and trying to buy, 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 buy just because I wanted to grow. Mm. I just waited out for deals. And I think that's been really beneficial for me. I We looked today, and I had less than $20,000 spent on all of mm. my equipment. And I bet you the value of the equipment. The value of it. Darn near doubled that. Far surpasses it, I think. Um, um, and yeah. probably because of the maintenance I've put in and some of the... The deals. The deals. <laughs> a lot of them, um, for the viewers listening, a lot of them involve a ski mask and 3 a.m. <laughs> hot wiring ignition switches. Just yeah. That's yeah. the way you get the cheapest equipment. <laughs> Just make sure you scratch off the serial numbers. Right. Throw a little bit of paint, maybe change them up so they don't look quite the We're same. We're going to have to put disclaimers on this. Um, <laughs> this is not legal advice, just so you guys yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess I kind of beat a dead horse on my equipment. Let's talk about 
yours a little bit, and I mean, maybe I talk strategy. You want to call it that, right? And reasoning, reasoning, justifications, and my operations ever changing because I'm always trying to grab more opportunities, um, ideally. So a lot of my upgrades are more so proactive towards future potential growth. And then when I hit the limit and growth of what my current equipment can get me to, once I start hitting that wall where stuff starts really biting me in the butt or... Like it's getting overused or you're not yeah. being able to get everything done you want. Yeah, and so that's where I was at today. Why in this mower something I've been looking at, not this specific one, but this model in particular is... A model is interested in because the price points were uncomfortable with, the size, the scale. Um, I like the New Holland brand for hay equipment, and I don't know if New Holland's make the best mowers out there, but I'm. I think the local dealer network's pretty strong for them. Even though I think most people would argue a Deer or maybe a Massey Heston mower is probably going to hold up slightly better. Um, but I do like the New Holland dealer network we have locally, so that's kind of what's pushed me in that direction. But my strategy has always kind of been what type of growth can I see? Because from year one to year two, and hell, even year zero, really, from year to year one, and the beginning to the end of year one has been extremely huge growth in where we're at. So where I'm at, I'm not really looking to just have a nicer piece of equipment that's set for my scale as much as I am um, slightly bigger. And anyone who's ever built a pole barn will tell you it, Whatever you think's big enough, you got to add on to it. Because the minute you build it, it's already too small two years down the road. Yeah. You're going to have... You're going to fill it. Oh, yeah. No matter how big you build it. I've never heard a single person who's built a pole barn. Oh, and then my like, shop's too big. It's too big. <laughs> I can't get it. You know, it's just yeah, too much room. Like just wasting space. You know, I've never heard someone say that. Never. And so that's where I've kind of gone with my equipment line. Um, some things, you know, that's where the kick baler was at. I was up against the wall... I had two Oliver Baylors, and they have got me as far as I think they were going to get me. I was, mm-hmm. I ended up barring a New Holland, what was it, 276. I threw that in the yeah. straw field, and you were bailing with that. Mm-hmm. And I went to another field. I had second cut hay down. I was barring a John Deere, like 336 or 348. I don't know all the yeah. John Deere numbers off the top of my head. Um, both Buck Baylors, um, if that makes any difference, or whatever you want to call it. We're stacking wagons behind them. Because um, both of my balers had gone down, slip clutch burned up on one, timing was way off, knotters and mm-hmm. having issues with needles on the other, so we just parked them, said to hell with it. Um, so I mean, I was already maybe in the market for something slightly better, but I wasn't really aggressively looking for that opportunity. Um, but when that all went down, I still had 30, 40 acres of straw to bale, and both of my balers were down, and we're borrowing balers. That was putting a strain on like. Oh, us mentally when we were trying uh, like, we'll talk rough. about the straw that's endeavor a, a lot more yeah. later but the i mean the condition of those balers after we really started working them hard was really pretty stressful for the both of us i, I mean at that point we had taken off time off work mm-hmm. and we were really set on getting some acreage knocked out and it, it was almost one of our least productive days the days that we had the most time available yep. was the least productive. Yeah. Once we got the new slip clutch put on the Oliver Baylor, the 62T, mm-hmm. we did, I think, a 900 and some change, maybe 950, 950 bales at After the high work. end. After a full eight-hour day for me and 10 hours for you. Um, so, I mean, I got, I got to the field before you. I was 
mm-hmm. checking fluids, fueling up the tractor, greasing the baler, getting so stuff I around. Just hop on the wagon, right? I think I, I already had there. a couple yeah, loads done because my wife was running tractor, yeah. maybe. So maybe I already had two loads stacked. So we might already had a couple hundred bales done by the time you got there, at like five o'clock, and then we ran an hour past dark and mm-hmm. ended up with eight loads. I think eight wagons filled. Um, but yeah, we were we got that done once that Oliver carried us through the rest of that. And then I bought the kick baler from uh, someone local. When both Olivers went down, I called up a guy who I knew had a kick baler, and he thought about he, he told me he was going to upgrade. So I'm like, okay, this is perfect. Guy maybe wants to sell it. I can maybe coerce him into selling it, and I'll just buy it outright from him. So both balers are down. I call him up. I said, I want to buy the baler. I thought you were interested. Oh, no, I don't, I don't really want to sell it. I'm thinking I'll hang on to it. Week after we finish all the straw with the Oliver balers, he calls me up. Still interested in a baler? I'm like, well, that would have been nice about 10 days ago. Right. But yeah, I guess I'm still interested in it. So, turns out he's just getting out of small squares altogether now <laughs> instead of upgrading. Either way, I, I have a lot. Of, I mean, he's he's got does some custom work, and he's got a pretty nice operation as well. Um, I mean, I think I paid fair market value. I probably got a pretty good deal. I got four kick racks thrown in with all metal kick wagons with nice, nice kick racks. oh yeah and they tow nice um i think three out of the four have implement tires and the other one's got some real fat some extending tongues on them three of them have extending tongues yeah. one of them may not all metal racks it's not like the wooden small ones i think two of them are nine by 18 feet um with flared tops two of them are bare um bale or one of them's a bale queen if you're familiar with that brand it's like an easy trail um like if you will um, but that was a pretty good deal acquisition we had, and I had no idea how we got anything done prior to the kick baler because before that we would have my wife would drive tractor, I would stack wagons, and it'd take us two days, a day and a half to do 18 acres. So we needed a hell of a big window to get in there, and then by the time we're finishing the field, stuff's getting real coarse and stemmy because it's overly dry. We're losing leaves and we're losing quality, and that hurts the marketability of the hay too. So. I mean, I was able to still probably market it all at the same price as the same cutting, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, continuing on in that same realm, we were probably going to end up losing a little bit of money because of that um, efficiency loss. So the kick baler allowed me to bail, and not to mention that 18 acres that I bailed both years, so I had some comparison. It yielded more this year, too, and I, I was able to bail more bales total on the same acreage in less time than I bailed fewer bales on the same acreage in the years prior. Um, and this freed up an entire person. So now my wife can just haul wagons, not to mention we had our son. She had gave birth um, June 30th. So now we have a little one to take care of. And there's times where, I mean, when we are finishing up straw, when she was driving tractor for me, she just strapped him to her, mm-hmm. a child carrier. And it works to an extent till he really gets fussy and then it gets hot and all the heat coming off the tractor and that's hard for a newborn, I suppose. Um, I think he needs to suck it up. Yeah, I think so. Be a man about it. He's a grown it. man these yeah. days. Jeez. That kick baler freed up a lot of manpower as far as allowing her to just have him in the car seat hauling wagons. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, when we're done bailing, we're done bailing and wagons are home and I can just back wagons and drive. Before, when we're done bailing... I'm tired. Crap's not even done. Mm-hmm. We have 20 bales to rebale tomorrow on top of all the windrows. Yeah. It, assuming we still had some left. I think our first cut last year on 15 acres took me two and a half days to bale. And this year I probably would have had it done in six hours. 
mm-hmm. if not less. But now she can have wagons all home. Instead, before, we'd have to bail all day one day, and then we'd spend the whole next day freaking hauling wagons home because most of my fields are an hour drive at 15 mile an hour because mm-hmm. most of them are about a 15-mile drive, and if you're going 15 mile an hour, obviously the math adds up. <laughs> so we have an hour <laughs> hour of road time hauling wagons um, back from the field. So she can kind of keep up on some closer fields, but I can almost fill a wagon in a half hour to 45 minutes, and we can move through them pretty quick at 115 to 130 bales per load. If I get out every few rows i can stack them and get a few more on that's been a a huge bump for where we've gone um i don't know i mean the bar rake whether it's a it's you need a rake to make hay but it's not super integral but i got an old oliver bar rake for dirt cheap i and this is before i was making hay too i think i had had the oliver baler like well this will just add to the collection at the time it was more of a collection than it was a working tool yeah you know um so i'm like well that's really cool I, i saw the ad you had no idea it was an Oliver looking at it until, like, you saw the picture of the serial tag on it said Oliver, you know, manufacturing or Oliver mm-hmm. farm equipment. And I'm like, well, sure enough, it's an Oliver, but you can't tell. All you see is rust and there's moss and lichen growing on it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. I think I paid $350 for an operational bar rake with two good tires on it. Yeah. Oh, that was a deal. Um, so we bought that. I don't remember the time of year we bought it. And that was only south of town, so maybe a half-hour drive, 45 minutes to get it back home, going 10 mile an hour or whatever it was. Um, everything's operational. But before we started our first hay season, maybe I had that for most of a summer and then through winter. That next spring, during a full kitchen remodel, mind you, mm-hmm. and just getting back from a vacation. Like, we were busy with all this stuff. I'm like, well, let's just let's fix up the bar rig. That's something I want to add onto our plates because we're not busy enough. So mm-hmm. we... Wire wheeled everything, and I mean, I I put new seals in the gearbox. We wire wheeled everything. I pulled out all the bearings for the bar where the bars connect into the reel. Repacked what I could get out. The ones that the Allen stripped out on. I said to hell with them. They're probably good enough. <laughs> if they're gonna go out, they'll fall out then, and I can replace mm-hmm. them then. So I repacked what I could after wire wheeling everything and sandblasting spots we couldn't get to. With the wire wheel, um, washed it up and. Once that was dry, we just started painting and painted it up in a different paint scheme than Oliver sold them new as, but I think it looks better with a white basket than it does a green basket. So I had one of the nicest looking bar rakes in the county, if you ask me, <laughs> um, which I have since broke, which I didn't think you could break a bar rake, but you definitely can. Yeah. Which sure. That's a fun thing to find out. <laughs> um, so that was a really good buy. So that's kind of where the equipment line started. I had a lot of this before we even started making hay in the hopes that something maybe could happen, not knowing how it was going to happen. It just all Mm -hmm. kind of fell together in one year. Um, Oh, and I think it was like the week before we got married, me and my wife, we got married in April. I found an Oliver Haybine south of Cincinnati, three hours away. Um, And I thought that was a good deal. It wasn't a good deal, but I thought it was because they're really rare. They are rare, and I've since found cheaper ones for sale somewhat closer Closer. to home. I mean, you see one or two pop up for sale per year on the Oliver page or through Marketplace or Craigslist, this, that, or the other. It's incredibly rare. Perhaps three to four come up nationwide. It wouldn't surprise me if that's all you're going to see come up for sale. So the fact I found one, I thought, okay, I talked my wife into thinking this is the perfect great idea. I, t- I already talked myself into it the minute I saw it. So I, <laughs> I drove 
three hours, borrowed my dad's trailer. I don't know if he knew I was borrowing it. If he did, I sure as hell wasn't telling him I'm going three hours away. Um, and it took us over an hour and a half to load it on the freaking trailer because the guy had no idea what he was doing. Mm. And I think we ended up bending some of the top shields up, which still pains me to this day because I've had to do some repairs on it. And this thing was beat up. It needed a new header lift spring. It needed new um, tensioners for the crimpers. And I think I overpaid for it, but it's a cool collector's item, if you will. I've gotten it operational. It functions. Yeah. It functions. It does a good job of mowing. Mm -hmm. It crimps hay well, and it lays down a decent windrow. As decent as you're going to get out of an old hay vine. Um, and these weren't even made by Oliver. They're made by Owatonna, if I'm pronouncing it right. And they branded them, painted them Oliver Greens, shipped them out the door. They, the exact same mower, I think, was sold in Ford Blue, too, for mm. the Ford company. Either way, I thought it was really cool. So now I got the full lineup, the Oliver mower, the the rake, the baler, but mm -hmm. no acres to run on. I had that loader tractor, but the PTO didn't work. Another long story, that really sucked, getting that all going. Um, but like I had said maybe in the earlier podcast, going from my job at the dairy farm to working for the hay broker, um, I, I, he'll hire me for custom work, so I end up buying a white 2105, paid fair market value, um, bought a, the disc bind out of that deal. I kind of grouped them together. Guy had both for sale. And then I bought my New Holland BR7060 round baler um, at a dealership about an hour south. And if anyone knows anything about those um, round balers, they're very tongue heavy. So I hauled that home, of course, with my V6 half ton. <laughs> oh, man, I think we had to use a telehandler to get the tongue low enough because the jack wouldn't go low enough to even get it close to my truck. <laughs> or maybe we got it on, but it wouldn't. It barely got onto my truck with the jack bottomed out. So then once it's on my hitch and we got a pin in, um, we have to lift up with a telehandler on the so bottom of it. The jack off. Yep, to get the jack off of it, and then, um, I so the height that was normally at the telehandler just keeps going down and down. I'm like, oh, this suspension just isn't going to stop. <laughs> I don't remember how far the hitch was off the ground, but it was probably lower than it should have been. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've heard of people since buying that bending draw bars on tractors, <laughs> and I hauled it with a half ton, so that's cool. I got it home, um, probably hauled it at 30 mile an hour. So I got that home probably in an hour and a half, two hours to get home. So it wasn't terrible. And like I said, fair market value. I got an extra roll of net wrap thrown in with it. So I was happy. And a monitor. And a monitor. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, they don't operate without monitors. So that was like a big technological advance. It was a bailer I still have to this day and no intentions of upgrading. That was a good buy. Um, I've never run a round bailer before, but people told me, if you go cheap, you're spending just as much in repairs than if you just spent the money outright. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I've never run one. I've never worked on one. I've never been around one. I'll just spend the money because then I can sleep better at night. So I did. And I, I got it home. I stayed up till like 3 in the morning. I read the, both the monitor book and the owner-operator book mm -hmm. for the Baylor front to back at least once. Reading, reading the book is very important. Yeah. The I mean, my combine books, my planner books... Um, I've read those mm. quite a bit. You know, Farmazo, I think her dad has a saying. It's RTFB. It's read the fun book, but I don't think the F stands for fun. Mm, the fun book. Yeah. For the love of God, people, I don't work at a dealership, but I can't imagine being the guys at the dealership, someone calling you off with a question that could just be answered by looking by at book. your book. Operators. Exactly. Manual. Look at your book, people. <laughs> it's going to help you. If you don't have one, buy one. I've bought yeah. books for a lot of my equipment. It is a godsend. 
So I read the book front to back. I was up till 3 a.m. the night before I used it. And it didn't help me at all. I didn't know what I was doing. Never read a round bailer before. I didn't know how, how to work the monitor. I don't know if I had it set in auto or manual for the net wrap. Mm-hmm. The first bail didn't even wrap, so I dropped an unwrapped bail on the ground. So then me and my, my wife was there trying to help me troubleshoot. Mm-hmm. I'm on the phone with New Holland, the guy I bought it from. Well, I'm just a salesman. I don't know how to work on them. Thank you. You got your money. But So here we are in the middle of this field, unrolling a round bail to rebail it. And it took me, I think, an hour before we even got our first bail rolled out that was wrapped. Mm-hmm. And now I can do 44 bales an hour with the thing. Um, that was a really good buy. So I had a new idea, 5209 disc buying. I think that broke down three times. I poured hundreds of dollars into it the first year. I poured hundreds of dollars into it this year. And tail into this year, it just wasn't cutting how I wanted. Um, I just put another like $1,000 into it tail into this season. And I think enough was enough. Not to mention a side swing mower is incredibly inefficient if you're trying to push acres. 18 acres, I'd probably have almost four hours wrapped up in it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I got four more feet of cutting with a center pivot so I can just shoot back and down the same row I went on. And maybe you guys are better than I am, but I can't split a field to save my life. There's once in a while I can split a field about perfect where I'm only off by half a row or it's almost dead on. There's other times where I'm about six rows off because I didn't it's a decently straight line, but it's not parallel to my outside lines. Mm-hmm. So if you, I mean, I feel bad if we ever had to rake hay behind me that day, but I mean, I got a lot of V's where it tears in because I didn't have a straight line to go into, and the center pivot will alleviate alleviate a lot of those problems. And then I drove to Missouri to buy an Oliver Seven Ten baler last winter, about a year ago now, and we ran like 300 bales through it before just grenading it and. Yeah, not grenading it, but having issues and never quite getting it right. Now it sits in the barn. Mm-hmm. That, that was a fun. I don't regret it because it was a cool. Just yeah. I think the time I left home with my half ton and a borrowed deck over trailer. This time I got a better trailer with you know a deck over, and it took. Um, he had a skid steer, a loader tractor, and borrowed a neighbor's loader tractor to rig it up and lift it, so I could mm-hmm. back the trailer under the the um, baler um, but from the start to finish i think i was on the road and in the guy's yard loading and all that by the time i got back it was like 23 hours i was away from home and i just did it in one straight shot Round with trip. oh a small tupperware of goldfish and one coffee and that's what i had the entire i mean a little bit of water and i made that whole trip i don't know how i do it because i get tired after a couple hours of driving most of the time that thing that bad. i wanted it bad and it was a solid baler. Like, it was hardly used. I mean, probably 1,500 bales through it since new in the 50s. Had the original tires on it and a razor-sharp ledger blade on the plunger and stationary blade. Mm-hmm. Like, you knew this didn't have many bales through it. I mean, still paint on the pickup. Um, so I broke it my first time using it. Um, so that was fun. And that's been kind of parked ever since. I mean, I drove a hundred miles south of here to go pick up three hay wagons that I got a good deal on. Um, actually, no issues getting them back. I had all three hooked up one after another. I drove a hundred miles that way, and that was, I think that was a pretty decent buy. Just to run them for two months before I upgraded to a kick baler and sold all of them. Yeah. Like I said, I've, right, wrong, I'm not trying to say I'm better than no one, but the accelerated growth I've seen, it just, I feel like I'm better off just kind of buying for what's potentially down the road. Mm-hmm. And we both paid cash for everything. We're not taking loans out. Right. We're not suggesting to go out and buy a new 
T7, mm-hmm. New Holland yeah, tractor I, or something. I think that's the thing is we we are purchasing for growth, but really trying to not overextend ourselves mm-hmm. at all because I I feel like some guys will do that. They'll just buy, 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 get big, get big, and they just they're spending way too much on equipment. Their equipment costs make it hard to be profitable. Mm-hmm. And I don't upgrade it extensively in the midst of a hay season when I know I have a lot of mm-hmm. expenses coming in. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to see some upgrades. I'd like to see this winter, now that I already have my cash flow covered, I have kind of a set price in mind I'd like to be at for savings before the beginning of next hay season. Um, but as long as I can heat, hit those metrics, I'm pretty comfortable buying some equipment this winter and making a lot of big upgrades if the right deals arise. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with some of that stuff. But um, Like you said, in the midst of a season, it's the last time you want to be spending a ton of money and then have a repair. Or like for me, buying hay out of the field, if you're overextended and don't have the cash, you can't, I mean, the right landowner might wait for you to sell some of the hay before he wants money. But I like a couple times, I'm pulling out of the field. I got my bail count. I'll write a check right then and there to the landowner for his share of the hay. Mm-hmm. It's done in over with i already know what needs to come out of the bank i don't have to worry about it and i i don't have to think about it um usually within the week i'm paying landowners for whatever i i take off of their property um i guess skid steers those have been a fun experience this year (laughs) oh oh dear god those have been a lot of fun so i bought a heston skid steer with the intention of running a bail grapple this year a couple major problems with that it had airless tires which was kind of cool i did like that idea because never flat Mm-hmm. Mind you, I came out of a season where I spent thousands of dollars on 13 tires. I, I thought that was cool. Um, it's a diesel, so I'm like, I'm already running diesel fuel and everything. I don't have to carry gas cans. Another plus. It checks a couple boxes that sounded good. It had auxiliary hydraulics I needed for the bail grapple. Also, it checked another box. Mm-hmm. What didn't check the box is that I was willing to overlook the lift capacity, the age of the machine, parts availability, the quality of said machine. Yeah. It, it started good when I bought it, and then I could hardly get it started ever since. I, I think the few months I owned it, I went through, I don't know how many cans of ether mm-hmm. and battery chargers. I replaced the replaced the starter, the battery, the um, what do you want to, block heater. What else did I – I think I put some other stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Repacked the cylinder. Fuel filter. Fuel filter because it wasn't running worth the crap when we mm-hmm. did get it started initially the first time. Um, even when plugged in, it was a hard starter, and you had to hit it with ether and – like, right before we sold it, it started leaking engine oil, but that stopped. So, I don't know. It was fine. I got rid of it. I made maybe $30 profit on the whole machine between the little bit of custom barn cleaning I did with it and all the parts and the purchase price. I sold it for just a little bit over what all of that was. Now, if you want to go into the time I spent in labor repairing it, maybe I made $0.37 cents an hour. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, that was kind of a whole mess. I just kind of wiped my hands clean of the whole thing. Cause that was a hell of a project I didn't want to get into. So I found a good deal on a Gale 6640, which is like a 3000 pound or 3,500 pound. Or is it 26? It's at least 2,600 pound or 3000 pound lift capacity. Deutz diesel oil cooled, um, 80 horsepower skid steer. I thought it was a good deal. Um, got there. It's leaking oil, like a sieve. Like you could hardly pour water out of a, you know, a bottle of water faster than this thing was just dumping hydraulic oil out of the hydraulic pump. So I'm like, well, that's just great. Because the U-joint was out mm-hmm. between the engine and the hydraulic pumps. 
I got them talked down pretty good. Like U joint's a pretty quick, easy fix. I can do that. Or I send the picture to the dealer. Oh, that they don't have a U joint. Sure enough, it does. I'm looking at a U joint between the engine and the pump. Well, do they have one? So I send him a video. He's like, well, that's weird. To find out they jerry-rigged everything, moved the pumps forward, built brackets and extended hoses, put in some aftermarket U-joint, which ended up destroying the shaft, the seals, the bearings, and the housing on the front hydraulic pump mm -hmm. or part of the pump, the Eaton pump that it had in it. So I ended up having to buy all new mounting brackets, and that was a whole ordeal. I put like $3,000 into it. Still probably between purchase price and repairs. I'm probably thousand, two thousand dollars below what the average price for those are sold as running. So I'm not really ahead a lot, but I'm not really in over my head on that one. And I've used that all season moving round bales. Um, I don't think I moved any manure with that one. I did with the Heston. Mm -hmm. But doing some odds and ends, it's nice to have the bucket for cleaning some manure out at my place, not for anyone else. Yeah. Piles of straw around, that's been pretty nice. So I've, I, skid steers have been a huge project for me, and I hate working on them. Dear God, I never want to work on a they're skid steer again. A nightmare. It, it broke down this weekend, too, because it wouldn't start. <laughs> Just a loose connection on the battery, or the starter, I mean. In a small fire. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was sparking. And... It was calm. It was, hey, yeah, there's a fire. You might want to get some water. You think I should keep okay. cranking it? <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't let the cab to work on it because it was under a shorter part of the barn. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to load rounds to get some round bales to draw out for auction. I said, to hell with it. We're done. I, we don't have time for it. We got the forklift out. So we're loading rounds vertically on the trailer. Yep. And they're sticking out six inches on the rub rails. I'm like, oh, boy. They we made just, it, though. We made it. We got them all. It's fine. I got home. I got the white hooked up to a chain and yanked the skid steer out of the barn until I had enough room to lift the cab. Um, half hour later, maybe 20 minutes, I figured out, oh, it's just this needs reconnected. Tighten up this nut. And it still didn't want to start. I don't think glow plugs work, but um, I, I got it started and got some work done with it. Did some odd jobs and at least got it moved. Yep. I don't know if I have any other big jumps in equipment. There's things I'd like to see get um, upgraded yet this winter, which we can get into as I upgrade. But um, yeah, finding deals, It's there's a lot of ways to do it. Auctions, are, I think, are a good option for guys trying to get in. Mm -hmm. Um, not that I've gone to, they don't have farm auctions like they used to. No, not very often. They're, and most of them are just retirement type auctions with online bidding. So sometimes they're more competitive Yeah. where you're not going to find the deals that you once could have. I think, I think marketplace has been crucial for me. Yeah. I mean, it's most well, of my equipment has come from marketplace. I should but. talk more about this mower. So I've been looking to upgrade mowers since I finished out the hay season with my new idea. I knew I wanted to upgrade. I was half tempted to drive to Illinois to go look at a self-propelled. It was a good deal for a self-propelled. I think it was like $30,000, $32,000 for a self-propelled disc bind. Um, ended up getting sold before I could make it out there because I was still wrapping up hay season. I think thankfully so. That wasn't the best choice to dump all of my money into at the time because now having a pull type, I can have another tractor to pull that so that tractor can do other jobs. Um, and a neighbor had the exact same model of what I just bought for sale for like $6,000 more than what I paid for this one. And I'm not saying it isn't worth it. I think his was, and, um, I just want to make sure I was getting the right deal. So I, I've been on marketplace and, um, tractor house Craigslist looking at disc binds for probably two, three weeks, four weeks after he had told me his was for sale. I went out and looked at it. So I'm like, I just need time to think about it. 
So I looked, I wasn't finding any great deals, or if they were, they were in the middle of Pennsylvania, and I'm like, to drive out there and get it back to save $600, it's not mm-hmm. worth it. So um, I called up a deal. I found a good deal on a newer series than this mower. It was more, way more expensive, but it was a good deal nonetheless. And Indiana, well, that got, ended up getting sold. Like, it was already sold when I called. It didn't say it was sold online, but I had called. And they said that was already sold, but he was trying to sell me on some other pull-type non-center pivot mowers I wasn't interested in. So I'm like, well, that kind of washed up, so I think I'll just buy the one from the neighbor because it is fair market value. And I was going to call him one day, end up not getting to it. I'm like, okay, I'll just call him the next day. Well, the next morning I'm at work and I get a call from the dealer in Indiana that somebody um, private wanted to sell a mower. They weren't going to trade it in because they were getting out of it since their father died. And they just wanted to sell it outright. So he gave me the contact to them. So I wasn't even going through a dealer at this point, but he had given me that that lead. So I'm like, uh, I'll just give him a call. The price he told me was a few thousand dollars less than the neighbor's. Like, all right, well, it's at least worth looking at. It's only an hour away. So this was like the day I was going to call the neighbor and just say, yeah, I'm interested in striking a deal. I was going to go talk to him and buy it. You know, that morning before I was going to call him is when I get this this lead on this opportunity. And I go and look at it, and he came down a couple thousand more off of his initial suggested asking price, mm-hmm. if you even call it that. I mean, it wasn't much of what he thought it could maybe be. Um, a couple very, very small things on it that don't really affect operation we're having issues and like I said the price was very very fair and I'm pretty happy with that purchase I think a lot of these things have just come into play at very perfect times mm-hmm. and I'm very fortunate for that like this mower couldn't have been timed more perfectly I wish I had a couple weeks earlier so I wasn't leading the neighbor on or anything like that but yeah. um, like I said I was probably five six hours away from calling the neighbor and trying to meet up with them that night to go strike a deal, write them a check, and have the mower home, and um, we end up buying this one. So I'm pretty happy with that, and hopefully we'll get it through uh, quite a few more years of making hay. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we've done a lot of talking about like how we've acquired these things. Um, maybe uh, another episode we can talk about our maintenance struggles with these this equipment a little bit more. I know I haven't talked hardly at all about um, the maintenance I've done on combines and planters. but Those are both John Deere's. I run Oliver equipment, never had a breakdown. Right, right. The Oliver and white tractors, I swear to God, they don't break. Yeah, but you've paid twice as much for them. But anyways. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I've only put like six grand into that loader tractor. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I guess we've kind of talked about the equipment we have a little bit, how we acquired it. Maybe you've kind of learned some things on how you can acquire equipment on your own and maybe why and the how and the when to do it. But connections are the 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 biggest thing. Like they said, that square baler I got was connections. Um, Your first combine was connections. Yeah. And uh, this mower was really just having that very small, short, like three-day relationship with the dealer network out of state led me to the mower I just purchased today, and I couldn't be happier. Mm-hmm. So well, I, I think that'll wrap it up for this one. Um, Want to leave them with a quick quote, I think? If you have one. I One quote I heard, the pain of today, or, or let me see if I get this right. It's better to be in a bad situation now if it pushes you into a better one than to be in a mediocre, just 
average situation for a prolonged period. Mm-hmm. If the pain you're currently enduring is strong enough to push you somewhere better, it is so worth it. Because the things that have better bad situations that led me to growing into better situations have been better than just staying in an average situation. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.